Amen. What a great hymn. Before our brother comes with the announcements, we're going to turn, please, to the book of Isaiah, known as the Evangelical Prophet. More references to the Lord Jesus Christ in Isaiah than any other prophecy in the Old Testament. It's the Evangelical chapter. Verse, uh, chapter 55, please, and the first verse. Ho, every one that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread? And your labor for that which satisfieth not. Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear and come unto me. Hear, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader. And commander to the people. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not, and nations that knew not thee shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God, and for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found, call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way. And the unrighteous man has thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. For he shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree. And instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Amen, and we know the Lord will bless to our hearts tonight the public reading of his word for Jesus' sake. Our brother's coming. Amen. Do you turn, please, to the passage we read together? My text is a very simple one and yet a greatly loved one. One I'm sure you've heard preached on many times, but it's such a wonderful text for the day in which we live. Verse 6. Chapter 55 in Isaiah's prophecy. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. 
Call ye upon him when he is near. Let's bow just for a moment, please, in prayer. Father, we thank thee for this verse of Scripture that has been such a source of blessing to so many over the centuries of time. Grant that tonight, in the mysterious workings of divine providence, God will use it again tonight. Speak to some heart. Help this preacher. Help this people. And Lord, be glorified among us. For Jesus' sake. Amen. In the early days of the ministry in Chicago of Dwight Lyman Mooney, a man was attending his services regularly. He seemed to be on the verge of making a decision for Christ. And of course, Moody urged him to accept the Savior. He said, no, Mr. Moody, I cannot. My business partner is, partner is not a Christian. And if I accept Christ, he would ridicule me. Finally, annoyed at Moody's continually urging him, he stopped attending. How often has that happened in churches over the years? One day the man's wife came to Moody's house and said, Mr. Moody, my husband is very ill. Doctors say he cannot live. Will you come down and speak to him, please, before he dies? Moody hurried to the home, found the man ready, ready to listen, brought him to the point of decision, and the man seemed to accept the Savior. But to everyone's surprise, he got better. Mr. Moody visited him again when he was convalescing at home. He said to him, Now, my friend, God has been so good to you and raised you up. So, of course, as soon as you're able to come to the tabernacle, you must make a public confession of your acceptance of Christ. The man said, No, Mr. Moody, I cannot do that. My partner would ridicule me, and I cannot stand ridicule. Finally, he said, I'm going to move to Michigan. Then I will make this confession. Moody told him that the Lord could keep him in Chicago just as well as in Michigan, but he wouldn't listen. Just a week after this encounter, that man had a relapse. Moody was called again and went to his bedside. The dying man said, I don't want you to talk to me. It will do no good. I've had my chance and I've thrown it away. Moody quoted to him the verse, Him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. And said to the man, May I pray with you? No, the man said, It won't do any good. Moody knelt to pray but could not pray. And that sinking man kept repeating the words, the harvest is past, the summer is ended, and I am not saved. And then he died. Friend, the Lord was near, but he missed him. So often we have seen this. I'm remembering just the top of my head of an encounter with a man in hospital I was asked to go and see 
He didn't come to my church. I said, if it's agreeable to the family, I'll certainly do that. And I went. And the family were gathered all around him. Now, this man was guilty of a very vile and sinful action. I wouldn't even want in a mixed gathering with some young folk among us to tell you what it was he was guilty of. But it was absolutely horrible and horrendous. But of course there's mercy with the Lord, you know. And I remember going round and talking to that man. He was sinking fast. I knelt right down by the side of the bed where his head was on the pillow. And I whispered into his ear and I said, Sir, even now, will you not accept Christ? Somehow he gathered up the strength and he looked me straight in the face and he said in a quite loud voice, No, I will not. Shortly after, that man passed into God's presence. The Lord was near, but he missed it. My friend, you don't want to miss the Lord tonight because the reality is God will not always be found. Because of the sin and rebellion in the hearts of men, there are those that the Lord left to their own actions and to the consequences of their own sins. You will know the book of Romans, chapter 1. There was a famous preacher once, and he wouldn't even read from this chapter. He was wrong to do that, of course, because this is the word of God. But there's a verse there in verse 24 that says, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. God gave them up. I read in the book of Proverbs, the chapter 1, and verses 24 right through to 28. Because I have called and ye refused, I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. But ye have said it not all my counsel, and would none of my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, listen to it, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. Here's reasons why Isaiah cries out to the world of men the words of our text tonight. A wonderful, marvelous verse of Scripture. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let me say three things very briefly. 
I suggest to you, first of all, that this is a comforting text. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him, <coughs> listen to the words, while he is near. There was a time when God was near. But there not always be a time when this is so. Now we know that our God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. We know that he is omniscient. He's all-knowing. We know that he's omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time. There's a tremendous text if I can remember it correctly, and I should do, in John chapter 3 and verse 13, I think it is. Let me read it to you. No man, says Jesus, hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, listen, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven, Now, when the Savior was on this earth, he was on this earth. But as he was on this earth, when he was on this earth, he said he was in heaven. In the physical body, he was on earth. But as the omnipresent God, he's in heaven. And he's everywhere. This is the wonder of it. When two or three believers meet in China or Africa or India or Europe or Britain or anywhere else, at the same time, the Lord Jesus is present for he's the omnipresent God. The psalmist puts it very well in Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10. Wherever you go, Wherever you are, the Lord knows all about it. And you know, friend, that's a fearful thing. I often think of that because God knows everything there is to know about me. I wouldn't like you to know everything to know about me. And I'm sure you wouldn't like me to know everything about you. For we have all things in our lives at some stage that grieve us and hurt us. But the Lord knows. There's another great truth, and it's this. Most people are saved when they're young. Proverbs 8.17 says, Those that seek me early shall find me. Young people need to come to Jesus. We have a minister in our denomination He was saved when he was three. That's very young, isn't it? But are you too young to come to Jesus? I was saved when I was 18. 56 years ago to save you the mass. 74, I think. That's that's what age I am anyway. But I wish I'd have been saved younger. Because when you're young, saved, friend, it's not just a soul saved. It's a life 
It's a life. And the young person can be saved by God's grace. I trust you'll not let Satan ensnare you, nor sin entice you, nor sinners encourage you to walk with them in these days. Remember the Lord Jesus Christ was very near to Bartimaeus when he passed through Jericho the one and only time. Never passed that way again. The miracle took place not in Jericho itself, but the way through. The city of the curse knew no miraculous work. But Luke 18 reminds us that he was told, he heard the word, Jesus of Nazareth passeth by. Wasn't it a great day in your life as it was in mine, Christian? And Jesus of Nazareth passed by. And he stopped. And he called us by name. And we received him then joyfully. Oh, Bartimaeus was near to Jesus. Jesus was near to him. But he was passing through to go to Jerusalem. And then go on to Calvary. He went from Gethsemane to Gabbatha and then to Golgotha. And on that middle cross, he bled and died. One of the great experiences of my life, I may have told you before, was in one of our trips to Israel, going into the garden tomb for our communion service. And I was to preach that day and did just right in the site of the tomb where we believe Jesus Christ rose. You just looked across the way and you seen the place of the skull, the hill shaped like a skull, and you just knew you're in the right place. And I remember saying a word there, and David McMillan, he sung. It was a very moving and tremendous experience for us all. Remember a wee man who was listening from Scotland came over at the end of it and he said, I haven't been at a meeting like this since I was a boy in Scotland. That's the sort of meeting it was. Oh, friend, just to be there, I tell you, the Lord was near. Although the cross was empty, the tomb was vacant, the Lord was near. He was there. And we felt his divine presence. Here's a comforting text. He's near. And you see in a meeting like this, in an evangelical church where Christ is honored and preached, he's near. He's near. That wee verse that says, the Lord is at hand, it's nothing to do with the second coming. The old Quaker translation, I think, records it well. The Lord is at thine elbow. That's how near he is. Do you know that today? Do you know him tonight? A comforting text. Rest in this assurance, beloved. He's near. 
But there's not, not only a comforting text here, there's a compelling truth. He may be found. Verse 7 says, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Think of that. Not just pardon, but abundantly. In Hebrew, it's literally, he will multiply to pardon. Friend, there's mercy with the Lord tonight. What a truth is this. By nature, we are far from God. Doesn't Isaiah 53 and verse 6 remind us of that? All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Then over there in chapter 59 of Isaiah, and the verse number 2 it says, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. That's the truth. But still he may be found. Man is not in close fellowship with God. But listen, he can be, for the Lord can be found. But in order for him to be found, you must seek for him. The prodigal son sought for the father's house But when he was a great way off, the father saw him, had compassion, and ran to him. That's what God will do for you. That's what Jesus will do for every sinner who will honestly and truthfully call upon his name. How do you seek him? Oh, there's so much that man cannot do. He cannot plan his own redemption. He cannot save his own soul. But he can do this. He can seek. And beloved, I want you to know tonight, and I'm sure you do, that you need to seek him. And you need to seek him earnestly. This is no half-hearted thing. This is serious. You must seek him immediately. There's no such thing as holding back. Doc Paisley used to have a great sermon called The Folly of Procrastination. That means putting it off. Moody made that mistake when he told the people to go home and consider it. And in the the week to follow, there was the great fire of Chicago and many perished. Moody vowed he would never do that again. He would compel people to come to Christ right now. The dying thief couldn't have waited. He had to come. Zacchaeus couldn't have set up the tree. Had he done that, he would never have been to Jesus because the Lord wasn't coming there again. Immediately. John Bunyan writes of himself, Bunyan, 
Will you have your sins and go to hell? Or will you leave your sins and come to heaven? Folks, you've got to leave them behind. You've got to seek him. The Bible speaks about repentance. You cannot be saved without repentance. If you don't repent, you can't be born again. That's God's basis of forgiveness. You know, all this talk about forgiving the murderers and the the rapists and the people who do these horrible crimes, there would be mercy for them, all right. But not if they don't repent. I never heard the terrorists, generally speaking, repenting. In fact, they go to great lengths even now to defend what they did, tell you it was necessary and had to be done. No repentance. And if there's no repentance, there's no salvation. That's the reality of it. I can forgive a man who's wronged me and people have wronged me. And I'm sure they've wronged you too. But if they come honestly in repentance, truly sorrowful for their actions, as a Christian, you're duty-bound to forgive them. Well, God works like that too. He will forgive on the basis of repentance. Immediately, earnestly, prayerfully. That's what seek means. You can't be saved without praying it. It's whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I trust every individual in this meeting has called on him. Every couple I married, the first couple I married as an ordained minister in the Dungannon Church, the bride was 74 and the groom was 73. One of my men came to me after the ceremony and he said, Mr. Baxter, I suppose the next thing you'll have here is a dedication. I said, I don't think so. I buried, married the both of them and buried them within two years, the creators of both of them. But the same message that I sought to bring to all couples over the years, and there were many that were married by me, was that verse in Matthew 6. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That's what I say tonight. Friends, seek the Lord first of all, while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. That brings me to the final thought, very briefly. A comforting text, a compelling truth. Here's a challenging thought. Notice the verse now. Call ye upon him while he is near. You see, he won't always be found. This present life is the limit to the invitation. There's no hope for you after your mortal life is over. You've got to avail of the opportunity now. There's no tomorrow in God's calendar. 
I want to finish with a very short story and I have to finish because I'm starting to get a bit funny, not humorous, I don't mean that. I just need to sit. But the story is told, and this is true, of a young lady who was urged to trust the Saviour after she attended a gospel mission. She hesitated and said, I'll seek the Lord tomorrow. But the next evening, instead of going to the mission, she accepted an invitation from a friend to attend a dance. When her mother reminded her of her promise, she replied, I'm sorry, I don't want to disappoint John. I'm going out with him tonight if it kills me. She went upstairs to dress. John arrived. And after waiting for some time, the mother realized there was no sign of her and no response when she shouted up the stairs. But she investigated and found this young woman slumped over her dressing table. A heart attack had ended her life. She put off receiving the Savior at the cost of her soul. What a difference if she had gone to the mission, listened to the gospel. Friend, don't spurn the Lord tonight. Seek him while he's to be found. Let's